Thank you for listening to Namat's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 425. Out now in the US in theatres and on digital is Let the Wrong One In, a Dublin-set horror comedy that tells the story of a young supermarket worker who finds out his estranged older brother has become a vampire. A funny and blood-soaked creature feature that also delves into themes of addiction and forgiveness, Let the Wrong One In is also the latest film from Irish director Conor McMahon. I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Conor, I thank you so very much for joining me today. No problem. Good to be here. You know, um, I do my research as I'm prone to do, and I came across this interview, I think it was from like, a couple of years ago that you did, you talk about, you know, your filmmaking process, et cetera. And this interview, actually, it was from 2016, so around six years ago. And at the end of the interview, they asked you, what are you working on? And funny enough, you said you're working on what you refer to as a vampire junkie movie. So this story has been with you for quite some time. Um, where did the idea come from to kind of like delve into this uh, realm of horror filmmaking? Because beforehand you did kind of like zombie films and you had stitches as well. This is something a little different than uh, what you uh, did have done before. 
Yeah, I think it came together in a number of different ways. Like even back then, I I knew I wanted to do a vampire. I had the idea of a vampire film very much set in Dublin, mm. um, but I, I hadn't found the story yet. You know, I literally, that's all I had. It was like a vampire with a Dublin accent. And that kind of made me laugh. <laughs> there was something about it. It was like, because it's something, you know, I've never seen or, or, you know, usually vampire films are set in other countries, not, not in Dublin. And it, it seemed odd to me as well because Bram Stoker's from Dublin. And uh, so we did have that connection. It felt like there should be a vampire film set in Dublin. Um, and <clears throat> I think that the, the two things that added to that idea, I think that made it come together was one, I figured the story I wanted to tell was about, and it was, it was, it was a thing that sort of happened to me and maybe a lot of people, you know, you, you have these sort of manipulative people in your life that, mm -hmm. that somehow want to get rid of and you can't and, and you end up blaming them all the time. And I think the penny dropped for me one day when it was like, oh my God, this is my fault. I'm engaging in this dynamic and I'm sort of, uh, keeping it going or enabling it and <clears throat> when I when I sort of made that realization it gave me a sense of freedom out of the whole thing and so I felt that was something worth telling in a story and something that was personal to me and something I, I sort of I had understood the the sort of the journey I'd gone on to that and and I said okay that that fits with the vampire you know thematically because you know, the vampire is pretty consistent in his ways. And so he's not necessarily going to change. So, so what are you going to do about it? If, you know, it's, it's really, you're the one, if anybody's going to change, it's going to have to be you when you come in contact with a vampire. And then I think the final piece of the puzzle was this idea to set it over the course of a day and to set it during the daytime. Mm -hmm. um, like what if a vampire was trapped in a house for the day? And I think that just gave me the structure of how to put it together. So I think I think all those elements when they came together, I was like, okay, I know what I I know what I need to do now. When it comes to the whole horror and comedy aspect of your films, I mean, it's a blend that works very well for your movies, um, especially so um, we've um, let the wrong one in. What is it about fear and humor that really speaks to you as a filmmaker that you like to merge the two together? I think. Well, I think for me like horror comedy is probably the thing I naturally gravitate towards the most anyway. Um, mm. So like, I mean, I think like ever since I saw Evil Dead 2 or those early Peter Jackson films, this is back when I was 14 or 15. Um, they, you know, I remember watching them and just really thinking, oh my God, you're allowed to do that. You can, you can, and, and, but they, I think they inspired me as well. Just the, the imagination and the camera work and the, you know, all that. And so I, I, it really spoke to me and I've always, I've always sort of loved dipping into that area. Um, so, so in some ways, you know, it's the most natural to me in a way. Um, and then as regards uh, the fear aspect, um, like, like I think when I approached a film like this, again, um, it had some serious themes underneath it. And I felt the, I mean, for me, it was more about tonally, like how do I get that balance right, you know, without leaning too far into one aspect and too far into the other and kind of, you know, cause if you, I suppose if you play the, 
the serious subject matter, you know, too much. And, and there are other films like, I mean, I was, I'd watched Abel Ferreira's movie and that's a very dark version of the, the drug addiction thing. So mm. I was, I was trying to, I was trying to toe that, that line very carefully, you know, so it, so one, one side didn't disrupt the other too much. I imagine as well, both kind of like fear, uh, horror and comedy um, kind of deal with the absurd, don't they? I mean, when you think about the whole premise of like, you know, monsters and, and vampires and such, it's really kind of like absurd ideas, but there's, it's just a way that you kind of present them and how, and like you said, the tone of it as well, just, it just makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a genre that's very familiar, you know, to people. And in a way that made it easier to work with a particular message or an idea because I, I didn't want to have to reinvent a whole bunch of rules for people. Um, I kind of wanted to get to the, the story and the, you know, just the characters and just almost play with the idea that everybody understands the rules already almost. Yes, yes. I want to talk about the, the casting in the film. So from what I read, like initial casting was like three or so years ago. And the, one of the first people we actually saw was Owen Duffy, who plays the role of Deco. He's kind of like estranged older brother. He's, a, he's the addict who kind of like becomes the vampire, which is like a, or ironic in, in its own kind of sense. What was it about um, Owen when you first met him that you knew that he was uh, your Deco for your film? Um, I think because he was able to, first of all, he's from Dublin, so he had a very good grasp of that particular accent and how, and um, and the turn of phrase, and that you, you know it's 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 from a very specific part of Dublin. You know, it's it's for people who don't really know Ireland. Like you could go, you know, if you go to the other side of the city, the people speak completely different accents. So, mm. um, so I needed somebody that was able to do that accent, but also do it in a way that was humorous um, and you know I don't know what that quality is exactly other than that he made me laugh you know and that other people didn't make me laugh so um, and I think he also had a very good talent for improvisation which I knew would would help me a lot and um, you know or, or it would add to the material it would add to whatever I had wrote already so I mean he was the first first guy I cast and I think almost in the first or second just round of auditions I think I found him very early yeah there's something about the the character of Deco this the of, of the pathetic that's about him and I was trying to figure out what it was and I think the two things that really kind of stood out more than anything else is number one the tracksuit kind of like attire that he has on um, and number two the moustache as as pathetic a moustache as you can ever ever, ever see in, in any kind of movie <laughs> When did the moustache um, come into play? Was that something that was always there? Is that something that kind of like um, Owen kind of brings to the table? How did it all come about? It, it, it was actually like, it, it, that was actually an idea Owen had. And it wouldn't be, if you walked around Dublin, it wouldn't be uncommon to see a guy with a tracksuit and a, and a moustache. <laughs> it's, it's something that's that, that we do see about here. Um, but yeah, it was that idea that it wasn't a great moustache, you know, it was like you say, something kind of pathetic. And I think, I think that was one of the things Owen brought to the role. And it was the reason I shot the promo is because on the page, there was a danger or, or people who read the script thought that that character might be unlikable. Mm. And 
you know, and they thought even, oh, you should rewrite it this way and that way. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, uh, like I really felt if I got the right actor, he'd be, because it almost required that patheticness for you to like him, you know? There's a, there's a sense uh, where you see his vulnerability as well, um, you know, because, you know, he, he, in some respects, he doesn't have a choice, you know? Yeah, and, and the interesting thing about the characters, like he's, you know, for all his, his, his foibles, I mean, he really is a really flawed man, um, the addictions that he has. And what's really interesting about the film is that the jokes aside and the horror aside, it's kind of almost kind of like a, a love story between these two brothers. Like the younger brother has this very kind of a love for his older, really flawed um, older brother. And no matter what happens to him, and literally he becomes like a you know a creature of the night here, um, he doesn't give up on him. There's something kind of endearing about that. Yeah, and interesting, it wasn't originally written like that because I originally wrote it as two friends. Mm. And it was actually only in the casting process because I was looking for another mid-20s you know, guy to play off Deco, and I couldn't find anyone. It was more that it just never worked because... Uh, I don't know, maybe it was the two guys were always too similar or whatever. And then just by accident, um, somebody had told Carl about the auditions and he arrived down. And I, I looked out and I said, this guy, was he was 15 at the time. And I was like, he's totally wrong. And But I didn't want to send him away. And he came in. And then the minute he started reading against Owen, it was like, oh, yeah, they should be brothers. Like, it mm. just finally clicked. And I think there was something as well about a younger kid reading or talking about vampires that just had he still had the sort of magical feeling towards vampires you know like oh you could you know you could turn into a bat and you know like that all came out of a younger person dealing with a vampire in in a way that when when it was the two older people it didn't have any of that kind of the wonder you know mm. the kind of the um so so yeah, it was it was one of those things where the casting actually really impacted the script. I kind of felt sorry for Carl when I was watching the film because it happens several times during the film where he just gets loaded on with just a stream of blood um, constantly throughout the movie, just like just spewing all over him. Um, I'm I'm curious, how many liters of blood did you go through in the production of this film? Oh, there was a lot. And I always got very excited when I saw those guys show up with their canisters of blood and their tubes. And it was sort of like, make way, make way for the blood sprayers. Um, uh, but and it, it was, I mean, it's one of those things you can, um, you only have a certain amount of takes at it, you know, because really the, 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 the house gets destroyed pretty quickly. Um, but uh, we had we had some like like one of the blood sprayers had a little button where the actor could press it so he could time it you know he could time it better to when he was vomiting you know and that kind of thing so so that really helped. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Eighties Tees. Eighties Tees is an online retailer of licensed T-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews channel is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. 
Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. How, what's your approach to um, practical effects compared to the work earlier in your career? Um, you know, over the years, I'm sure the technology must have improved and, and, your, and you, the way that you can apply it in your films has, has improved over the years as well. Um, working with practical effects in this movie, um, do you find you have kind of like much more of an understanding of it now as a filmmaker? Um, do you, does it, is it still exciting to work with things like that on your films? Because, you know, having talked to other filmmakers, um, they kind of get giddy when they talk about it because, you know, CGI has its benefits and such, but I think the practical elements, uh, the stuff that you can touch, touch stuff that you can feel on set um, brings with it all, all different kind of uh, element to the filmmaking process. Totally. And it, and it also... Um there's always that element of when you're filming something like like with the blood spray you, you never really know exactly how it's gonna come out or how it's gonna land or what it's gonna ricochet off or so there's always this you know element that you're never gonna get in the computer you know the computer almost does it too perfectly or it doesn't have that element of surprise um and like i always feel that doing it on the day it, it, you know like it, it just, it, yeah, it just, it does get me excited. And it's, it's, it's almost like as well, you can, you can build on the ideas when you see them happening in front of you, you know, um, you know, you can look at something and go, oh, if we, we could add this in or, or, and that might cause you to change a camera angle or, or, or whatever. And so, and that's something you just wouldn't do um, if you're doing it all in post. So um, there's something, yeah, about that hands-on approach that, you know, it's, it's great in it like I, I I always love as well just in that pre-production as well you know you can you walk into the effects room and some guy is like you know building some kind of skeleton in the corner and mm. someone else is making you an eyeball or you know there's, there's, I mean that's part of the fun of making movies I think it's I think it's it's there's definitely an element of why I liked doing horror in the beginning because it it does allow you to experiment in all these different disciplines like whether it's makeup effects and all that um you know and it's a shame to kind of just hand that over to some effects guy and at the end of the day and, and you not to get involved in it so I think it's I think it's that it's the the development process you know like that you can work with an effects guy over the course of a couple of weeks and mm -hmm. you know you can see the thing come together if it's a dummy or whatever or whatever kind of effect it's going to be and um i think i think that all helps in the end of the day and then you're 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 more prepared on the day you know because you know you know you have the shot you know when you leave 
that day there's, there's something like even when I did stitches I remember we 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 were going to blow up stitches at the end with some computers and and I just had Ross jumping around and shaking around and we didn't even know what we were filming you know and like we spent ages trying to make that work with computers and in the end of the day we went back and just did a whole bunch of practical effects and it was way better and we shot it in about two hours uh, you know what I mean so it was all that time do with computers is on uh, like computers work but I think you really need to be have a good plan and know what you're trying to do you know yeah most definitely you know another a person in your cast is Anthony Head and he's very you know iconic in the world of vampire uh uh, filmmaking or in this case television shows with these rolling Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I'm sure a lot of people um, that are into that show will be very interested to see what he does in this movie because he plays a, a vampire slayer or to be more specific he plays a taxi driver turned into a vampire slayer um, yes. how did he come about um, being in, in, the, in the movie and when you have a name like that in your film what does that do to, uh, for you in regards to say um, uh, production budget and distribution does all of a sudden there's a lot of doors are open when you have a name like Anthony Head attached to your movie um well I think Anthony came up it was one of those things when you know sometimes you get these lists when you're casting you know there's always a role where it's like okay that's the role where we could get a name you know it's it's like okay it's a this is a low budget enough production so if we can get someone in for you know a week uh you know and and the taxi driver seemed to be that role. And I think, you know, when we were, you know, people suggest names and I think the minute his name came up, it was like, well, it has to be him, you know, <laughs> who else mm. is it going to be? You know, it, it, no other name made as much sense as him. And especially just given the tone of the film, it felt like it, it could work, you know? Um, and, and he was really up for it. He really liked the script. Um, and he was on board, so uh, so that was yeah, that was that was very cool. And and he was like super, like super fun to work with. And 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 he would he would he would even like he had no problem talking about Buffy. Like it was one of those things where I was you know afraid to bring it up. And like it's like I don't want to be geeking out like around him. But you know, someone on the crew had a tattoo of a particular Buffy Buffy episode, and and he went home that night and rewatched it so to refresh his memory. And he came yeah. in and. You know, he knew he, he he was telling them different stories about that particular shoot. So, you know, he was he was very cool. Yeah, that, that, that is really cool. That's really, really cool to hear because you never know, like like you you're saying, you, you don't want to approach these things. You never know which way uh, they're going to approach it. But that sounds like a really cool thing. And it looks like he was having a blast uh, throughout the movie as well. I mean, some of the um, the facial <laughs> features that he was doing throughout the film was, was, was um, quite, quite humorous. I don't know if people have seen him do that in work before um he's definitely played plays playing the part of somewhat of a madman uh, throughout the movie what's really interesting <laughs> yeah. about that character of henry as well though is his obsession with trains so he's like in um, i remember because he was came up a, a few times in the movie i had to write it down in my notes he's the uh part of the welsh highway rail society and also the branch society as well and people are still trying to figure out what the branch society is uh, in the movie um, how did that kind of aspect of his character come about? Is that something that's in the script? Does that come up afterwards? Because it's such an interesting kind of little uh, caveat to, to his character who, um, who on one hand is fighting uh, evil, but on the other hand can be distracted by the sound of a train in the distance and he knows exactly which train it is and, and what time it departs and where it's going. Yeah, it was that was in the script 
script and it was something he latched onto and kind of elaborated on a little bit. Like he, like there was, there's one scene where he talks about, you know, vampire hunting. It's, it's like train spotting, except <laughs> the, the trains come to you. And, and then he had this whole spiel about a, a particular railway place you could go, but it was, a, he'd rang up a friend of his who was, into train spotting and who you know so he so he did do research that brought out some of these very specific references um that and and that's almost where the humor is you know the more specific you can be um and so so yeah it was something that was in the script but then something that we we added to as we went through the film um i'm really curious about the horror filmmaking scene in ireland so I know that Ireland has a really rich history of, of filmmaking and, and it constantly, you know, exports so much, so much great films that we see here in Australia and people will see in the States as well. But when it comes to, to horror movies, I feel like what you did with Dead Meat back in 2004 was really part of a kind of like a, a renaissance of, of horror filmmaking in, in the country at that time. Um, am I correct in my assumptions about that? And in what's the filmmaking uh, scene like now, especially in regards to horror films, I'm in Ireland at the moment. Yeah, I mean, like I was over in Frightfest in uh, Glasgow a few weeks ago, and out of the ten films, four of them were Irish. Um, so it's definitely very strong. Like there's films out now, like the the Cellar, You Are Not My Mother, which is doing very well. And mm. so uh, I think, um, yeah, I th- and there was the one of few years ago the hole in the ground which, which did very well I think internationally as well so it's it's definitely been um and it's funny because a lot of the guys making the horrors are people I would have went to college with back you know maybe 15 20 years ago and it's mm-hmm. it's just it's it's sometimes taken that long to 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 get the films out there or get into a position where you can make film make those horror films so I think definitely I would say there's more horror films being made now, definitely than than before, um, and especially in the last five years. Um, so, yeah, and I think people like because it, it always struck me over the years, you know, like horror, like Ireland does have this connection with whether it's its folklore or it like ghost stories, where like we kind of when we tell a ghost story, it's almost like it's like you believe it you know or the folklore that's passed down is passed down it's like you know like uh, my mother would have told me stories and it's like you know she would have told me like they're true you know or if you it's something I always noticed in Europe if you go if you go to a ghost hunting tour in Ireland or the UK you know they're going to tell you those stories as if they're real Mm. and whereas sometimes if you go to other countries they tell them like they're they're totally silly like you know what I mean um but there's a sense that these things can happen here you know what I mean I think maybe it's the history or the old crumbling castles or the you know our connection with sort of fairies and and that kind of folklore you know so it's all it's uh, it and it feels like it hasn't really been exploited in the way that you know other countries have sort of exploited their uh their folklore it's almost like, you know, people aren't telling those stories around the fireside anymore. So it seems natural that the next step would be to, to bring it into movies. When it comes to yourself and, and what you have got next, I mean, Let the Wrong One In 
I mean, in regards to feature filmmaking, the last feature film you had was From the Dark, which was back in 2014. You worked in shorts, you worked in TV. This is kind of like a something of a, you know, return back to like not only filmmaking, but horror filmmaking for yourself. Do you foresee um, a uh, more kind of horror films in your future as well? And if so, you know, so far you've done zombies, you've done killer clowns, now you've done uh, vampire junkies. Do you have any ideas of what you want to broach next? Or do you not look at your films as kind of like what type of creatures you want to tackle? Is it really story-driven first? How do you kind of like broach what films you want to do next? And, and, and are we going to see more of you sooner rather than later? Because I've got to say, uh, it's good to see you your films back on screen as, as a fan of like Stitches and your, your other work. It's been a pleasure to watch your film again. Cool, thank you. Um, it's funny because the films I've wanted to make often aren't the films I end up making in, mm. in a weird way. It's like, you know, like over the years, like I've always wanted to do a kid's horror movie. I've wanted to do like maybe, God, like 10 years ago, I wrote a film about witches. So I'd really like to do witches. And, um, you know, and they're, they're, it's funny because you sometimes it's the film that will get the funding is the one that you make you know or or maybe sometimes you just have the idea you know like I like I really want to do a folklore an Irish folklore movie um but sometimes it takes a long time to either uh get the idea you know it's the clarity of the idea is sometimes the hard part mm. like like with the vampire film I was so clear like the minute I got that idea it was like I know exactly what this is and I think that really helps the whole development process because you you know what you're trying to tell all along the way um, and I think sometimes uh, if, if you haven't got that clarity yeah it's very hard to convince funders and all that so um, like I have a slasher one that's that's I think has a very good concept and um, so we've just finished the first draft of that um, and that's another genre I don't, I've always wanted to do. I haven't dipped my toe. In, well, like, St Stitches was a slasher. So, but this, yeah. is, this has a different take on, on the slasher. It's, it's one told from the point of view of the slasher. Mm. So, um, and yeah, does it, does, I definitely like to, to do one, um, like I said, that's, that's another very Irish based one. Cause what I really enjoyed about the, the vampire one was, was setting it in a world that I was very familiar with and mm. you know and an area that I was familiar with and even if it's not exactly there there's something about uh, uh, I mean people do say write what you know so it's how do I marry my love of horror with my you know what I know from growing up you know and I think I think that's definitely the element that I'd like to keep consistent in the next film. Well, for everyone listening out there, out now in theatres in the US and on digital, let the wrong one in. Um, if you want to watch a, a funny, uh, bloody, fantastic vampire movie, this is the one for you. There's some really bad vampire films out there right now. This is the, the vampire film you should be watching. Um, take it from me. I've seen you know, both vampire films that are out in cinemas right now and let the wrong one in is definitely the one you should watch. And, it's a, I think it's a triumphant welcome back from you, Connor, uh, back to the big screen, um, back to horror filmmaking as well. And um, look, I really enjoyed Let the Wrong One In. I really did. I found it so funny. I love the practical effects. 
I love your approach to kind of like the whole kind of vampire mythos and, and what you've really uh, done with it and the performances as well. And um, I can't wait to see what you do again. And hopefully uh, you and I can talk again in the future uh, sooner rather than later. Great. Thanks a million.